Good morning. I'm glad that you've joined us today for the proclamation, for the preaching of the Word of God. My prayer is that this morning that you would be, that we would be greatly blessed in its hearing today. Last week we started the discussion that today we're missing a biblical perspective. In our world today, we are operating apart from, we are, we're operating separate from a biblical perspective. I believe that. In fact, I know that in all areas, it seems we have sadly set aside the Word of God as our source of truth, and we are relying on, we are turning to other sources as our Truth, And I believe that is our world that we're existing in today. I believe these last few weeks have just further confirmed that. I believe the events of these last few weeks uh, have made that realization clear to us. And I believe that, that part of our issue today, if not most of our issue, with fear and worry and anxiety uh, comes from that fact. We are looking for answers tonight, today, but not biblical answers. We're looking for truth, but not biblical truth. And we are forming our responses, but, but they're not biblical responses. Well, in light of that, last week, to help us and to guide us, we started looking at a biblical perspective of death and life. If we are missing a biblical perspective uh, we've started building, formulating a biblical perspective on death and life. Today is the second part of that study. Our message this morning is entitled, The Truth About Life. The Truth About Life. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 through 24 today. Philippians chapter 1, again, continuing from last week, verses 20 through 24 today. Let's go to God's Word. Second half of verse 20 says this, God will even now as always be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I'm to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And I do not know which to choose, but I am hard pressed from both directions having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, we are thankful for the truth of your word. We're thankful for the truth of the, the grace revealed in your word, the kindness revealed in your word that we have a savior, that we have the forgiveness, the remedy of sin through Jesus Christ. Lord, I, I pray today as we hear your word, I, I pray that we would be shaped in this hour. I pray that we'll be instructed in this hour. Lord, I pray if there's, if there's one that's hearing and maybe many, I pray that in the hearing of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they would be saved in the course of this hour. Lord, I pray for us as believers that we again, would be built up, encouraged in the hearing of your word. Lord, we give this hour to you. We pray that you would take it, that you would bless it, that you would multiply it, that you would be glorified in it. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. As we begin today, remember the context. Paul is writing these verses here. He is writing 
and life is tough. Now, not only that, but the threat of death is real for him. And so understand, because of his commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ, he is committed to being a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because of that commitment, Paul is writing and life is tough. And not only that, the threat of death is very real. And so understand, this is a stressful situation. This is a hard situation. And so he's not doing some deep philosophical discourse pinned somewhere safe at a library's table. No, he is actually imprisoned here. He's changed to a Roman guard. And it is in that stress, it is in that tough place, that hardship that he makes the radical statement that we read today. And so understand, it is weighing life and weighing death that he makes the conclusion that we're reading today. Now understand, this surely is a radical statement. This surely is a wild statement. Then, as well as now, this is actually flip opposite of the world's perspective. Now, let's start off this morning by remembering his goal. Let's remember his goal. Let's look at the, the, the second half of verse 20. It says this, Christ will, even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Now, there's a, there's a lot there. That's a very telling verse. Christ will, even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Now, the word for exalted, remember it means lifted up. It means upheld or glorified. Very simply, he is saying in this verse, he exists for the glory of Christ. And that is his goal, whether it's in his death or if it's in his life, that Jesus Christ will be glorified. And so at the end of verse 20, we see the goal of his life, very simply, that Jesus would be glorified. Several months back, we did a study on Colossians, and we talked about this subject of glorifying Christ, of glorifying God. And if you remember, the, tr the truth is, we can do nothing to add to God's glory. Now, that may be surprising to us, but there is nothing we can do, nothing I can do, nothing you can do to add to God's glory. He is magnificent. He is awesome. He already holds all glory. We can't do anything to add to his glory. But remember our understanding to glorify him or to exalt him actually means to add to the good reputation of his name. And that, that's a big distinction. We're not adding to his glory, but we're adding to the good reputation of his name. And so, so we live to point to the glory of Jesus Christ. We can't add to it, but we live to point to it. We, we live to uphold the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ. The hope of our lives is that we would add to the reputation of God. Now, let me, let me tell you the danger right there. The danger is we can also live in a manner that would detract from the reputation of God. We, we could live in a way, as we carry his name, 
that would reflect poorly upon our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, and so we see here, Paul says his goal is that he would lift up the glory of Jesus Christ, that he would add to the good reputation of our Savior, Jesus Christ. But understand the danger is we can actually live in a way that detracts from the reputation of the name that we carry, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, Paul says here, if it's in his life or if it's in his death, he wants to exalt Jesus Christ. Let me ask the question, what is your life doing today? And you say, well, this, this day, this stage of life that I'm in, well, the age that I am, listen, whatever your station in life, whatever your age, let me ask the question right now, what is your life doing? Now, here's what I've decided. I have decided that we can't be neutral. And, I, and I'll just tell you my, my previous thought is that I could be neutral. And I, and I went through a lot of years of my life thinking, you know what, I, I don't want to do anything that would reflect poorly on the name of Jesus Christ. But you know what, I, I'm not going to try to step out and do anything that would point to his glory. And I just want to be neutral in life. I just want to live my life and take care of my business and, and maybe kind of fly under the radar. And I thought, you know what, we'll leave that for somebody else, but I'm going to be neutral in the matter. Well, let me, let me just ask the question, how in the world can our response to a marvelous, majestic, astounding God ever be neutral? How could it ever be? That's, that's the question. And if it is neutral, what does that say of the greatness of our God? And that's a, that's, a, that's a profound thing. Listen, he is marvelous and he is awesome and he is tremendous. And if we're able to sit silently and somehow desire to go neutral through life, what does that say of the greatness of our God? When we see the glory of God, we want to point others to the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, Paul says here, notice the language, Christ will. Here's what he says, even now be exalted. He's not floundering there. He's not questioning Christ's will. This is what he says, even now be exalted. That's his goal. Well, then with his goal firmly stated, he gives us his perspective on death and life. And that's where we're gleaning our, our understanding, our biblical understanding of the perspective that we should hold as believers of death and the perspective that we should hold as believers on life. Now, if you remember last week, we saw the biblical perspective of death. Now, a, a quick review. We saw last week that the biblical reality of death is you will die. Short of Jesus coming again, the Bible says it's appointed for man once to die, and you will die. The death rate is 100%. Death is certain. And then we saw the promise of a believer. And that is this, we have eternal life by faith in Jesus Christ. As a believer, we have the promise of eternal life by faith in Jesus Christ. That's what we hold. That's the promise of a believer. If you've confessed your sin, if you've turned to Jesus in repentance, if you've claimed him as Lord, all of that, receiving him in faith, you have the promise of eternal life. Then we saw the hope of a believer in death. 
And that is what, what Paul says, it is a better thing to die. It is a positive thing. It is gain to actually be in the presence of Jesus Christ. And so last week we had a biblical perspective on death. Well, today we see a biblical perspective of life. Now, I want us to see three things for a believer. Now, we need to get this. We, we need to be sure of this. And, and, and as we're moving through these days, especially in the day that we're living in, we need to grab hold of this as followers of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to see three things as we build our biblical perspective on life. We're going to see from our verses the substance of life. Then we're going to see the significance of life. And then third, the last thing, we're going to see the sacrifice of life. If you want a biblical perspective, a biblical understanding of the meaning of life for a follower of Jesus Christ, we're going to see it in our verses today. The, the substance of life, the significance of life, and then last, the sacrifice of life. All right, let's start looking at our verses again, verse 21. Paul continues on. He stated his goal. Now he says, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is Gain. Now, first off, do you see how radical that is? Do you see how opposite of the world that is? You see, understand today, the world says to live is self and to die is loss. And that's the understanding of the world. To, to live is about yourself and satisfying yourself and pleasing yourself and exalting yourself. And to die is the end of all that. To die is the ultimate loss. And so the world says to live is, is, is self and to die is loss. And so it operates according to that standard. It, it prioritizes according to that standard. It moves according to that standard. To live is self and to die is lost. Well, Paul says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. All right, here we go. Our biblical perspective on life. For a believer, now get hold of this today. See this today. For a believer the substance of life is Christ. Grab hold of that. Understand that's going to matter as we build this foundation. For a follower of Jesus Christ, for a believer, the substance of life is Christ. There's actually no verb there in the original language. It literally translates to live Christ. That's the literal translation. To live, for to me, to live Christ. That word for live is, is the present active tense, and it, it means the act of living. And so we could translate this living Christ. For to me, living Christ. The truth of a believer's life is in Colossians chapter 3, verse 4, it says, Christ is our life. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. I have died with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ now lives 
in me. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says we are in Christ. And in Christ, the old has passed away. It is done with and the new has come. So see this today. The substance of the life of a believer is Jesus. The substance of the life of a believer is Jesus. Our will is gone. Our priority set, it is gone. Our goals have changed. We're not walking around dictating the course of our lives, but rather our life is Christ. Folks, understand that's huge. We're going around in, in our day and we're, we're trying to hang on to our old life and grab on to this new life of Jesus Christ. And we're, we're trying to have it both ways and we're really living double lives. And that's, that's what you see in the testimony of, of most folks' lives. We're, we're trying to live with Christ, but we're not trying to live as Christ. Friends, understand, be sure today, the substance of life is not self. If you think it is, you're going to be sadly fooled in the end. The substance of life is not stuff. The substance of life is not success. That's the lie of the world. The, the substance of life is not some standing that people would give you, but rather the substance of life for a believer is Jesus. Paul's resolved in that. He's committed to that. The substance of my life, if I am alive, it is Christ. All right, the second thing. For a believer, first, we see the substance of life. The second thing we see, for a believer, the significance of life. The significance of life. Now, follow with me. This is, this is pretty awesome stuff. The world says your life is insignificant. Now, I don't know if you've noticed that. That's built into the world system. And, 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 the, and the world system says you're insignificant. You're, you, you do not matter. You're insignificant. And, and you watch and say, well, it doesn't really say that, does it? Well, listen, the world's system says you're the product of a random process. You're, a chemical crashed into a chemical and this process started and it's just random. There's no purpose in that. There's no meaning in that. And so the world says you're the product of a random process. And because of that, the world says you're just living a random life. And all of these folks, a person after a person after person, they're just living a random life. And the world says there's no real point to life. And if you read, that's what's underlying in the current. There is no real point to life. And all that you are and all that you can hope to be is a passer of DNA. And, and the world system says you will come and you will go and time will pass and you really are insignificant. That's the message of the world. You know what? It doesn't matter. It's going to pass by and you are insignificant. Here's the problem with that. We don't really buy that. Let me just tell you, we're not built to buy that. And so there's some part of us, there's some instinct in us that says, no, I don't think that's true. And there's some part of us and, and it, it rears up inside of us and says, you know what, I, I want to matter. And I feel like my life ought to matter and I want to do something that matters and, and, and that, that just wells up in us and, and, and we're not buying the whole deal that we're insignificant. 
And so we, we have this belief that, you know what, I feel like I'm supposed to matter. And so we launch off and we try to build empires and we try to build businesses and we try to build reputations. You know what, I feel like I ought to matter and I think I matter. But the problem is those things will not last. Listen very carefully this morning. As a believer, you are significant. And the Bible tells us your significance is in bearing much fruit. Listen to verse 22. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And I do not know what to choose. See this from verse 22. Read the language there. Paul expects to bear fruit. In fact, when you read that language there, he knows that if he lives on in his skin, that he will bear fruit. It's not up for a question for him. He's not saying, well, I hope that my life will matter when I get to the end of it. He says, if I live on in my flesh, I will bear fruit. Fruit. Now, the labor there, the work, is what he says, it will be fruitful. The labor of his days, it will be fruitful. He expects it. He knows it. Now, there's some, and they say, you know what, fruit can mean several things right here. And I, I read, read those things, and I hear other folks say that. You know what, it, that fruit can mean several things. It could be worship. And so the fruit of his life will be worship to Jesus Christ. Some would say it's, it's sanctification, that he's going he's gonna to become more like Christ. And as he lives on, it's going to produce fruit, and he'll be more like Jesus Christ. Some say just like that, it's his own personal fruit. And, and as, as he goes on, he's going to exhibit more and more the fruit of the Spirit that lives inside of him. And so they say, you know what, if he lives, he's going to bear much fruit. Now, I believe those are all things, but I don't think that's what it's talking about. You see, the work that he has undertaken, the reason he's a prisoner, the reason he has this sense of urgency in his gut is that he's taken up the work of leading people to Jesus and then leading those people to lead people to Jesus. And you, and you read it in context here and you see the work that he has undertaken. Paul has committed that he's going to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's going to preach a resurrected, risen Savior and that there's hope in him. And he is committed to preach that gospel. And he's committed to leading people to Jesus and then training and teaching them to lead other people to Jesus Christ. Meaning his fruit, listen to me today, will be people in heaven. The fruit that he's talking about, if I stay here in my skin, there's going to be fruit for my labor, and it is people in heaven. Hear me today. Listen very carefully. I don't care today what your career is. I don't care today what your job is. I don't care what vocation it is that you toil in. Your lasting work as a follower of Jesus Christ will be people in heaven heaven. The lasting work of a follower of Jesus Christ are souls that are saved, eternal fruit in heaven. Satan wants to take that from us. 
People are content to give that over and let, let them take that from us. Listen, that is why we live now. That is why we exist now. As followers of Christ, that is our work now. And whatever your vocation, we're to be leading people to Jesus Christ. And then we're to be leading them to lead other people to Jesus Christ. And that is significance. That is significance. Paul says, if I live on my flesh, it will mean fruitful labor for me. He expects to lead people to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Young people see that today. High school students see that today. Kids going into college see that today. You and lead a life of significance. It won't be in cars and mansions and jobs and titles. If you want to do something that matters, lead people to Jesus Christ. Friends, we ought to be so resolved. What if I'm successful in business? I'm going to lead some people to Christ. What if I fail at my business? What if I'm a total failure in my business? Listen, I'm going to lead some people to Christ. What if life is what I expected and it's all that I expected? Listen, I'm going to lead people to Jesus. What if it's nothing that I ever expected? I'm going to lead people to Jesus what if I do or what if I don't get the coronavirus? Listen, we're going to lead some people to Jesus. That is the significance of a believer in these days. And so the last part, we see the substance of life. We see the significance of life. And then the third thing we see is the sacrifice in life. For a believer in Jesus Christ, for a believer, the sacrifice of life. Listen to starting in verse 22 again. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And I do not know which to choose. Verse 23. But I am, listen to this dilemma, hard pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Now see what he just said in verse 23. In verse 23, he said, I'd rather go. I'd rather go. The desire of his heart, he'd rather go. He'd rather be finished with this part. He's toiled on this part. He'd rather be done with it. He says in verse 23, he'd rather be with Jesus. Surely he would. Yes, he'd rather be with Jesus. Oh, I'd rather be done with this part. I want to be with Jesus. Verse 24. For that would be very much better. Verse 24. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Did you get that in verse 24? Paul says here, I'd rather go. I, I'd rather go, but I, I am living as Christ. And in God's power, I expect to be significant to the cause. I expect to bear fruit in the cause. And he says here in verse 24, it is more necessary that I stay. If you go to verse 25, it says, and so I will remain. I want you to see this. He gives his life for others. He sacrifices his life for others. And I, I read this account and I know the context of it. And I read this account and I think, Paul, you'd be crazy to stay. 
You'd be absolutely crazy to stay. You've been deserted by your friends. They've left you alone and they've walked off from you. You have trouble after trouble. Your life exists in hardship. You're lonely and you're alone. You've been deserted. You're now in prison. Your freedom is gone and you're chained to this Roman guard and death is awaiting for you. It doesn't look like light at the end of this tunnel. Death is sure for you. But Paul says here, oh, but they won't hear. Oh, they will suffer all the days of their life and they'll suffer for eternity. They'll be lost and they'll perish in their sin. And so Paul says, at my own detriment, at my own cost, as hard as it is, use me, Lord, use me. It is much more necessary. So Lord, use me. He sacrifices for others. The verse starts, verse 21. Living as Christ. Living Christ. Folks, this is Christ. He said he's living as Christ. This is Christ. And you see, the, the, the message of Christ is as he stands in glory. And if he comes, if he humbles himself, if he condescends and comes and takes on human flesh, you see the truth is he's going to be rejected. If he comes, he'll be rejected by his own. He'll be abandoned by his own. His own family will walk off from him. The truth is if he humbles himself and he comes as a man, he's going to be lonely and he's going to be alone. The Bible says he is the suffering servant. That's what awaits for him if he comes. Death is surely waiting for him. He knows that. And not just any death though. He's going to be nailed to the tree. He's going to die on the cross of Calvary. But he also knows if he doesn't come, they will suffer and they'll walk through life and they'll suffer and they'll go into eternity and they'll be lost and they will perish in their sin. And so at his own detriment, at his own cost, as hard as it is, he says, oh, Father, use me. Not my will be done, but thine. Oh, Father, use me. Use me. Friends, that is the sacrifice of a believer. Paul says, oh, I'd rather be with Jesus. Oh, I've had enough. I'd rather be with Jesus. But it is much more necessary. And I will bear fruit. Dear Lord, use me. And so there we have the biblical realities of life for a believer. The substance of life is Christ himself. The significance of life, it's not meaningless. It's to lead others to faith in Jesus Christ. The sacrifice of a believer is to give yourself for the hope of others. Point them to Jesus, even at your own cost. I want you to hear me very carefully. Now, I want you to get this today. I want you to understand this. And you want to know what these last two weeks, you want to wrap it up in a, in a sentence or two. Here it is. Understand this today. Listen very carefully. The worst thing in the world for a believer is not to die. Man, we got to get over that. We got to quit believing that. 
The worst thing, it's not. The worst thing for a believer is not to die. Scripture tells us that. Christ promises that. Paul tells us that. The worst thing for a believer is not to die. The worst thing for a believer in Jesus Christ is to die and never have lived for Christ. Oh, what a shame. Oh, what regret. The worst thing is to have lived and never lived for Christ. Fourteen years ago, there were some tough things going on in life, very tough things. There was the tragic death of, of one of my great friends, my close friend. And in that process, one evening, it was after 11 o'clock, I was sitting on my couch and thinking about all the things that had gone on, I came to the understanding. You know what? I, I understand by faith in Christ, I'll see Jesus. I will see Jesus. And when I do, I don't want to be ashamed. I don't want to be embarrassed that, oh, I heard the gospel, the good news of my salvation, and I received that gospel, and I was saved by the gospel, but then for some crazy reason, I just kept it. And it could be said, oh, he got busy in the things of life. He got distracted in the things of life, or he was so selfish, all he was concerned about was himself. He kept it for himself. And, and Lord, on that evening, I got to the place that I thought, you know what, once, once I got it, once I got it, Lord, I, I want to be able to come and say, you know what, I'm a sinner, yes. I'm dumb, yes. I make mistakes, yes. But I want it to be said, once I got it, once I understood my mission in life, that I tried and I tried and I tried and as many as I could, the fruit of my life will be people led to Jesus Christ. And I tried and I tried. I didn't want to have to come in and be embarrassed and say, oh, I didn't do anything with your gospel. But Lord, once I got it, I, I tried and I tried. And on that night, that year, I made this my verse. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28 says this. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. See, the worst thing for a believer is not to die. The worst thing for a believer is to live and have not lived for Jesus Christ. If you're hearing this today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ, I want to tell you all of this is about that. There is hope in Jesus Christ. There is peace in Jesus Christ. You are significant so much so that he did humble himself and he did come and he did go to the cross and he did purchase you back from the price of your sin. He did redeem you. The Bible says by faith in him, by faith in that, you are saved. If you're hearing today and you've never trusted Jesus, listen, turn to him, walk off from your sin in faith, receive him as your Lord and Savior. If you're hearing today and listen, you've received the gospel. Don't be distracted. 
Don't be selfish. Don't let it be said they kept it for themselves. Sacrifice. Give it at your own cost so that someone might not perish. For he is worthy. Let's pray. During Father, we come. I'm thankful for the truth of your word and I'm thankful for the biblical perspective that my goal, if I live another 20 minutes, if I live another 20 years, is to exalt the name of Jesus Christ, not to add to what you did. I can't do a thing, but to point to the Savior, the King of glory, to lift up your name. Lord, help us in that. Lord, empower us in that. Lord, build a church that exists for that. Lord, I pray if there's one in, this, in the hearing of this message, I pray that today they would let go of the sin, the rot, the corruption, the filth, the evilness of this world, and they would turn and in great faith, they would receive you as their Lord and their Savior. Lord, stir in their heart. And Lord, I pray that the, the fruit of all of that would glorify you. Lord, we lay it at your feet. We trust you. We praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.